Well, hello, hello, everybody. It's your good old friend, Stephen Booth, baby. Back for some more. When sports collide, football and wrestling, baby. Your number one podcast for your sports and your wrestling information, baby. Woo. You know it's me, the most recognizable voice in the podcasting world today, baby. It's your old friend of mine, the hip maker, the hip breaker, the record breaker, the everything maker, Stephen Booth, baby. I'm glad everybody is here to enjoy some football and wrestling with me. Had a pretty busy week this week in the uh, world of sports, but not too much. I mean... We'll get into it and get into it. I just want to give a shout-out real quick, tell everybody thank you. Sorry I didn't record this weekend. The platform that I put my podcast on was reworking their uh, site and all that stuff. So, sorry you're hearing this late, but you'll get another one pretty quick there, Chief Wiggum. All right, guys. I guess we'll break down into it. Well, I guess we'll do the NFL first. Ain't nothing really big happening there right now. Nothing really major, no major big trades, I don't think, or anything. So, kind of skip through the NFL today, and we'll uh, do what we've been doing. And we're going to break down some of the um, college uh, teams that's here. And like I said, college really isn't much happening. A whole lot of uh, recruiting's going on. A lot of commitments are being made for the 2024 class, so... We'll see how that goes, baby. Anyways, uh, that's about it so far in college. It's been going on. But we're going to go over some teams today. And the first team, we're going to start out by going over. Is Where's Baylor? Why do I have Baylor here? One, two, three, four, five. I guess Baylor is my sixth one. Anyways, god damn it. Sorry. We are going to start out with Texas A&M, guys. Of course, everybody knows the year before, they was pretty shitty. I think they only won uh, four games. They didn't go to a bowl game. God dang it. Sorry about that. They didn't make it to a bowl game or anything. Uh, They lost... They was on a big winning or losing streak there for a while, but they got all them top recruit. They had the top class of 2023, and last year they bombed. They lost a lot of their uh, commitments for that year too. So <coughs> here we go about A and M. The 2021 Texas A and M offense averaged just over 29 points per game. If the 2002-0 scored 29 points in every game last year, the team would have... Uh, I need to get my bifocals on real quick. Let me get my other glasses on. Oh, that's a lot better. Okay, if... The 2022 team zero scored 29 points in every game last year. The team would have finished six, uh, eight and four. Had it scored just over 32 points per game, like it did in 2022 last year, A&M would have been 10 and two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Winning close games is what the SEC is all about. How is this uh, going to uh, get better, people are asking. Bobby Petrino, the head coach career arch, has stalled, but he's still a brilliant offensive mind who should work uh, work wonders as the new offensive coordinator after Texas A&M finished 12th in the SEC in total offense. 13th in scoring, 13th in passing efficiency, and uh, third downs. On and on and on. Except much crisper tempo, but that means 
faster play. Garner, Connor, Wigman <coughs> has to be a star. More on this in the uh, key player blurb. But after throwing eight touchdown passes and no picks, the 6-2-215-pounder needs to take the offense and make it, it's his, make it his over next few years. It's not then. It has to be former LSU transfer Max Johnson at star, uh, our star recruit uh, Marcel Reed. No matter what, the passing game has to click on a consistent basis. The A&M receiving core is going to be good. Young but good. Speedy Anus Smith. I'm sorry if I butchered, butchered its name, but his last name is Smith. Is coming back from a leg injury that cost him most of the year last year. Even Stewart returns after coming up with a team high 53 grabs, including... Uh, tied in Donovan Green. The top four receivers are back with some flashy new recruits. No pressure, but super recruit Urban Owens. No, Ruben Owens had a better be magnificent. The running game worked when the uh, team stuck with it. And now with Donovan action gone it's up to Ruben Ruben the five star to be amazing from day one he will be there's a little bit of a expiration depth behind the lightning fast six foot 200 pounder but the new guy will get a whole lot of work the line has to be better and more dominant factor this year and has two future NFL starters in at in Six five three hundred and twenty five pounder, bright uh, center Bryce Foster, and six eight three hundred and thirty pounder, outside tackle Ruben uh, Fe Featherer to work around. The overall experience is there, and now the uh, potential has to flow. Yeah, the Aggies might have been number one in the nation against the pass, but that's because the team that could throw didn't bother getting away from the uh, ground attacks that ripped it up and that ripped it up at will against the SEC's worst def worst defense that took A&M out of its groove, killed the time of possession battle, and screwed up the uh, season. More on this in a moment. However, there aren't a ton of new guys coming in to fix the clutch. The defense front was a subs to be a dominated force after a few amazing recruit classes has to has to start playing off paying off. At least from the parts still around. <clears throat> and that's what that guy means by that, because a lot of their recruits uh, left. Defensive tackle, tackle Walter Nolan was one of those superstar recruits who showed flashes of potential, of potentials of greatness last year. Shimmer Turner and Fidel Diggs are, are fellow big time, big big time gets growing in their rows. There, there might not be any new guys for the Fox 6, but the secondary landed a very big-time producer, especially at corner. Tony Grimes from North Carolina and Josh DeBerry from Boston College are both future NFL stoatas. And, and Sam McCall from Florida State is a terrific prospect who gets his feet wet, who gets his uh, feet moving every play. Veteran safety Domini Richards, Richardson might not be the most talented Aggie, but he makes a whole lot of plays with 245 career stops in two touchdowns last year. 
He lands a good group. Oh, he leads a good group that had to make too many tackles last year. See, that's pretty bad when your safety is getting more of the tackles. That means that your linebackers and your guys in the in the trenches, your D linemen, are not getting the tackles. So maybe they'll improve there. The linebacker groups uh, has uh, all around uh, producers. Chris Chris Russell's should once again be among the team's leading tackler, and Edgar and Cooper is great getting into the backfield. These two need to be great with a slew of young and untested parts looking into the rotation. Yeah, they need to because that linebacker core lost a very good commitment they had from Hill. And he went to Texas, so hopefully that works out. I think I think it will. I got to take a break real quick. All right, I'm back. All right. Next team we're going to cover is USC. And last year was Riley's first year, and he did pretty damn good. But, you know, of course, he got a lot of people from Oklahoma. Oklahoma was so pissed about that. Now nah, they still bitch about it, but oh well. All right, going to go over USC now. Will that work? In came in Lincoln Riley, and in came in offensive coordinator Josh Josh Henson. And in came college football all-star team of transfers that meshed together better than anyone could have dreamed of. Seriously. Don't take don't take it for granted that there were zero continually from twenty one. And a kaboom if that wasn't enough. Now the attack was uh Cliff Kingsbury hanging around as a quarterback's coach and offensive offense analyst. Uh the number three in the nation in total total in scoring offense and passing. Number one in the fewest turnovers, number two in the third down conversions, and all came together by having the number one player in college football. Anyways, Williams stepped into the uh, Oklahoma offense in the middle of the Texas game uh, two years ago, and that was it. He has been brilliant over since, ever since with a fantastic mixture of athleticism. Smarts, cockiness, drive, and ultra-effectiveness passing that could make him Riley's best quarterback ever. Now the, now the, now the almost number one pick in the 2024 draft collapses for Williams, he has to stay healthy after throwing for 4,537 yards and 42 touchdowns and five picks within 10 games or within 10 touchdown runs with <coughs> 10 touchdown runs. Star recruit McCallaghy Nelson and sophomore Miller Moss will battle out for the uh, number two gig. Yeah, there's a chance that the USC receiving courts could be even better despite losing Jordan Addison to the uh, Minnesota Vikings. Kyle Ford defected to UCLA. But but four of the top six wideouts are back to go along, uh, back to go along with Arizona transfer Darren Singer, or Daron Singer. It isn't Addison talent wasted, but it's not terrible. Veterans like Washington, Williams, and Rice, and Jackson are still in place. The terrifying pros- the terrifying prospect Deuce Robinson is in it is in is in that tight. Oh, is in at tight end mix with Lake McGree. And they will have a guy who should have 
who should be starting for the uh, Carolina Panthers uh, pitching to them. It's hard to keep uh, running the ball when 13 has a shot to make things happen. But the Trojans need to keep on getting their backs consistent work. Travis Dye is done, but Austin Jones and Austin Jones and South Carolina transfer Marshawn Lloyd should provide a killer one-two punch. Williams will add at least 300 rushing rushing yards and at least Oh, but the least he has to take care of. The big overall stats for the offensive line are a bit off. With playmaker... With with a playmaker like Williams, there will be more sacks and more tackles for loss. But there will... But there... Uh... But there were times when the line did its job by lining up and blasting away. Now it needs to do that a bit more, even with a ton of turnover up front. Kingston, a transfer from Washington State, and Prignan from Wyoming are ready to do their role of guards coming up. And pressure is on Michael Torsion from Florida to step up and protect Heisman quarterback. But the uh, everybody's still out on their offense. I mean, I mean their defense. I mean, come on, man. They won the the games they should have, but then when they really went up against competition, they lost because their defense. And that's kind of been Lincoln Riley's tag, even uh, when he was at Oklahoma. They could get to the big game. But they never could win it. So, you know, we'll see what happens there with that and guys. All right. How many pit fans we got out there? I don't ever talk about pit much, but I figured I would. They had a pretty decent year last year. Here was this ta- was the task. Go out to the transfer portal and find defensive parts to to do for the side what all of its new guys did last year for the offensive side. It's not like the D did not get the share of uh, transfers last year, but there was more of mishmash of guys than collection of killers like the offense had. However, for all the problems against the run and the meltdown against Tulane and the major issues on third downs. Oh, this is about the USC uh, defense and offense. I'm sorry. We're still talking about UT. We're not talking about Pitt yet. My bad. My bad. Still talking about the talking about the defense right now for USC. So. Okay, it's not like the D didn't get the, get its share of transfers last year. But it was more often mishmash of guys than collection of killers like the offensive side had. However, however, for the problems against the run and the meltdown against Tulane and the major issues on third downs, the USC defense did two things really, really well. Get to the quarterback and take the ball. It might have allowed a Basel on yards, but the defense was fifth in the nation in takeaways. Hey, that ain't too bad. Now the big players have to keep coming while becoming more than a speed bump for the opposing ground attacks. Welcome to the transfer portal. <coughs> Sorry about that. The defensive front isn't totally starting over. But for all indents and purposes, it is. The overall production could change instantly uh, if the uh, tackle combination of uh, Bars from Arizona and Sullivan from Purdue 
and Barry Alexander from Georgia does the job. Bars and Sullivan would have been the best players on their uh, respective line, and now they're now they're Trojans. The ends aren't quick, aren't as quite as good, but the uh, but the scheme and the work done. But the traffic, but the traffic, uh, new, but the traffic, new tackles should get Jamal Muhammad from Georgia State and Lucas from A and M, and Tup and Tupalapua into the backfield. The line should be better, but the biggest, but the biggest overall. Production improvement should come from the linebacker core. Sean Lee was second in team with 78 tackles. Eric Gentry was third with 71. And coming to the coming to eat up everything is Oklahoma State's Mason Cobb. Flipped a coin between Bars and Cobb for who's going to be the guy. Who takes over becomes the new star of the Trojan D. Outside of Arizona cornerback Christopher Rollin Wallace, the USC secondary is mostly full of in-house talent from last year. We got safety Max Williams to lead the team with 79 tackles. And the combination of Bryson Shaw and Colin Bullock will be among the best in the Big 12, the Pac-12. The corners are a har- are hardly a concern, but Rollin Wallace has to be the terrific four-year player who uh, who was for the Wildcats or playmaker. He was uh, for the Wildcats. Traquan Figgins from Alabama is a God. Stop it. Is a big-time talent. And there are a ton of young corners on the other side, led by sophomore Wright. All right, that's all of USC. <coughs> Sorry, uh, I was in the middle of recording this last night and I got tired. So I uh, stopped and doing it this morning. All right, now this time, this is Pitt, for sure. I didn't F up and start talking about the... God dang, man. Wrong team this time. Okay, let's talk about some pit football. The uh, the ACC has become, or it has become Clemson and everyone else for a little, for a little while now. But who's number two? Not counting Notre Dame. <laughs> who continues to enjoy the friends-with-benefits relationship with the conference. Pitt and its three, uh, 34 victories since 2019 was the second-best in the ACC football program. With 20 wins in an ACC championship in the last two seasons, you have to go back to the superpower era of the mid-1970s to, the ni- to 1982 for a better two-year run. And now we'll, now we'll see just how good Pitt is plugging and playing. Head coach Pat Nardossi is in his 10th year. He was able to take things up to another level a few seasons ago, and now he has, he has to replace a slew of parts and hope the system works. There's enough descent talent returning to not to have... Not, uh, there's enough de- decent talent returning to not have to totally start over again. The coaching staff is strong, and the ACC schedule is a challenge, but not a killer without Clemson, North Carolina State, or Miami. So set the expectations at a second ACC title appearance in three years, another campaign with nine wins or more. And for Pitt to remain the AC's uh, quality, steady player. See, that's one thing people don't understand. 
That's what will keep a coach out of freaking school for all them years. If they can get 10 wins every year, they, if you can do that in college football, you'll have a job every year. The offense did not crack up its passing game like it did in 2021 and didn't come up with the ground attack like not, uh, 2018. Ah, I scoot up. But it was a balance and effective as it came through in the five-game winning streak to end the season. Quarterback Caden Slovis was okay, but not great. Now he's at BYU and leading rusher. Sorry if I screwed its name up. Out of Benkanda. I probably effed that name up, and I'm so sorry. Is a New York Jet. But the attack should be dangerous because it will be. <sighs> Phil Jerkovic is a veteran pastor who started out at Notre Dame. Moved over to Boston College and now the sixth year senior with a world with a world of NFL upside. More more on that in a minute. It should be able to crack up the show, also pushing for the gig and likely getting to work to be the man, to be the main man is 2022 talent, Penn State's transfer, Chris, Christian Valuex. There might not be a Jordan a Addison, and leading a deep in leading a deep threat, Jared Wayne is gone, but the receiving core should be okay. Getting receiver Dejon Reynolds from Florida to go along with the mid-grade target Mupfield and means will help. Bartholomew is a talented tight end. Who needs to be used as a whole lot more? Used to be used a, used a whole lot more after coming up with 21 catches. The offense was amazing at controlling the clock, and that partly came from the production from the line that was great at keeping a defense off the backfield, and it was good for the ground game. There will be some improvements though. The outside tackle. Gun clock, Matt Cun Calves will. I'm sorry if I screwed that name up. Will be an all star no matter which side he works. But Jake Cradle will continue to be a be a rocket center. Pitt always finds the backs. Rodney Hamden was solid after his fur after the last few years when he got his chance. And the LSU transfer, Derek Davis, should turn it turn into a interesting option. Okay, let's go over the defense. The pass rush will be there this year. For everyone else losing linebacker Dennis and defensive tackle Kinsey and defensive end Beta Nodo and Alex uh Deslin Alexandria will be close to devastating. But the D cracked up 46 sacks or more in each of its last four years. <clears throat> this time around, it takes some underst understudies to turn, turn into superstars. Bam Brema isn't done much over his first three seasons, and now he'll get a shot to shine to shine at one end. Dan Harris needs to be the man, the main man on the other side, and the interior needs new options to emerge around veteran tackle Devin Danielson. Dennis wasn't just one of the top pass rushers. He led the uh, he led the team in tackles by a mile with 94 stops. That's pretty damn good. Now he's a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. The Shields can get behind the line, and Simmons should be the uh, team's top tackler, or close to it. In the middle is Kamara, 
who needs to get into the backfield more, but he can all over the field, and he can hit. It's all a part of the system. Pat's defensive defense leaves the uh, corners to fend for themselves, but they are helped out by the killer pass rush. It is a fast or famine. It's a feast or famine style that leads to plenty of interceptions and big plays, but it also means lots and lots of yards allowed. See, so what do you do? Do you want to go with a defense that is pretty decent but allows a lot of yards, or you want to be a defense that don't allow a lot of yards but isn't that good? Unfortunately for the Panthers, they have one of the ACC's best corners, best corner tangents with with MJ Donovshare and Marcus Williams back. The safety situation is continuing on some new starting parts to rise up, including Florida transfer Donovan McMill McMullen. All right, so that's Pitts the Pitts uh, the University of Pittsburgh. Pitt, Pitt, baby. Okay. What's next? All right, we got to go over. All right, we got to go over. Well. I'm not going to do Auburn, it's, or is it Auburn? No, I'm not doing Auburn. I thought I was, but I guess I'm not. I will next week. All right, we're going to go over Bay, um, Oklahoma right now, and then we'll do Baylor. All right. Okay, for all of those narratives about things that were different without Lincoln Riley around and without a Heisman-caliber quarterback running the attack, the offense wasn't all that bad. Really, it wasn't all that good either, though. It led the Big 12 in total offense, was balanced great on the ground, and it did not have a problem with turnovers. There was an issue putting the biscuit in the basket at a consistent level. But overall, the offense came up with more yards than the uh, 2001 version. Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, uh, Hertz, and Spencer Rattler, and Williams have left since 2015. Those were the top Oklahoma quarterbacks. Two Heisman winners, two number one picks in the draft, and an NFL MVP caliber superstar. <clears throat> and he got with the best arm out of uh, all of them. All things considered, former UCF transfer Dylan Cabriel did just fine. Uh, throwing for 3,168 yards and 25 touchdowns with just six, pick, six picks. He's a solid starting quarterback, but the future is coming with the new guy. 6-1-2. 206-pounder Jackson Arnold, one of the nation's top dual-threat quarterback recruits, and the positive starter within the uh, SEC life begins next year. There's no Marvin Mims to throw to, but number two, Jal Fargo, is back along with Drake Stoops as to go to it to go to inside guy. On the way, on the way is Adel Anthony, a big-time recruit, recruit for Michigan, who should be a bigger factor at OU. Former Sooner turned South Carolina Gamecock turned Sooner Austin Stogner is back at tight end. He'll catch at least twenty-five passes this year. Eric Gray is gone for leading the way with 1,366 yards and 11 touchdowns. But the ground game should still be explosive with Barnes, 
good enough to take the bigger row. There are a few nice backs behind them, and Gabriel Cap Capriol, Gabriel is likely to account for at least 300 yards. They're all working behind and behind behind an improved line that was good for the ground game but struggled in pass protection. Transfer outside tackle Walker Ross from Standard and outside guard Schaefer from Miami are two 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 instant fall-ins around All-Star Andrew Rain and a distant group returning. A decent group returning. The O-line has to keep pumping out the production. While the Sooners need much better year from them. That's weird. What was that there like that? Okay. You don't have you don't have a head coach with defensive mind of Brett Vetemills and have the second worst defense in the Big Twelve. Yeah, their defense was pretty horrendous last year. I mean, in that Texas game, I'm a Longhorn fan. But Jesus Christ, man, I, that's one of them games where everything was going right. Oklahoma's defense could not stop anything that day, and they had a hard time stopping anything, excuse me, all year. There wasn't anything happening consistently Against the run, the pass D was uh, dead last in the conference, and no team in America allowed more first downs per game. However, the parts are there to do a whole lot of a whole lot more this coming season. The Sooners live lived in opposing backfields. They weren't they there were were not enough sacks, but the D. Cracked up a whopping 104 sacks for losses with the uh, plays coming from everywhere. The line is set at tackle with veterans Jordan Kelly and uh, Isaiah, or the defensive line, is uh, set up with tackle with veterans like Jordan Kelly and then Isaac Cole in place. But transfers Jacob Lacey from Notre Dame and Devin Sears from Texas State will get plenty of playtime. The combination of Dons, Grimes, and Beth Bethroyd from Bothroyd will keep the uh, heat coming. Sorry if I fucked that name up. The stars this year should be in the linebacker courts. Danny Stutzman is a future NFL outside linebacker who did it all. Leading the team with 124 stops with three sacks and uh, with three sacks and 10.5 tackles for loss and two picks. He's outside so his Indiana transfer Dazon McCullough around Jaron Canocock will who likely would take on the inside with second-leading tackler David Agawugbu leaving uh, for Houston. If the pass rush cannot be a wee bit stronger, the defensive back should be uh, far more off a fact, uh, of a factor this season. <coughs> Top corner Davis left Miami but Washington is a good all-around veteran corner. The safety situation is better with Parison from Houston coming in and with Billy Bowman, one of the uh, quicker, stronger safeties in the country. So that's a look at Oklahoma. They'll probably do a little better next year, but I don't see them being in contentions for a Big 12 championship. And I'm not saying that because I'm a fucking Longhorn fan. I'm saying that because it's the truth. And then next year, they go to the uh, Big Tw to the uh, SEC. So, I don't see Oklahoma winning any uh, uh, conference championships for a while. All right, we're going to go cover our last team, and that's Baylor. Okay. 
Brent Saber, Sa uh, Saberhagen was a Fridge Hall of Fame pitcher, mostly with the Royals from the mid-1980s into the late 1990s with a few Cy Young Awards and World Series rings. But, will, but he will forever be known for his bizarre run of seasons earlier in his career, career when he dominated the odd number years and was awful in even number years. Baylor needs a bigger sample size to go full Saber Hagen, but no program has fluctu has fluctuated like this one in the last four seasons. In 2019 and 2021, it got it got to it got to the Big 12 championship, winning in 2021 on their way to the Sugar Bowl in each campaign. The 2020 team went two and seven. The uh, 2022 version crashed with four straight losses to close with six seven record. Of course, now it's 2023. So why is the roller coaster 2020? Was the head coach coaching change from Matt Rule to David Arreta? And last year's team could get its couldn't get its defensive groove back from 2021, and it had a horrible schedule, breaking up, uh, breaking off, closing with Kansas State, TCU, and the Texas Longhorns, before losing to the Air Force in the Armed Force Bowl. This year, the schedule is nice as it can possibly get until mid-November. More on that later, guys. The defense is going to be stronger with plenty of experience and defensive-minded coach <coughs> in Aranata, who's brilliant at fixing glitches. Again, the teams on the schedule the teams on the schedule were the problem last year more than a fundamental uh, issue, and with a potential massive upgrade offensively uh, because it could get better. The Baylor Bears preview of the offense. Welcome, in, well, welcome to the Barrington brothers. The Baylor offense it wasn't the Baylor offense wasn't wasteful was the Baylor offense wasn't awful in the mix of a loaded Big 12. It finished 44th in the nation in total offense. It was okay. The ground the ground and at average 32 ga uh, points per game. But it couldn't be stronger. I mean, they did lose some close ones. Like TCU, Baylor, and Texas wasn't that close. But the TCU and Baylor game was close. And some of the other ones were. These pat the pass protection was decent. But the line did not take over like it needed needed in key situations later in the year. That's where BYU transfer Cabell and Clark Brennington came in. The line already had a few recent uh, had a few decent parts, but now if it, now as its left tackle in Campbell and a dominated NFL lever interior option in Clark. So, who can work at guard or center? That's the question. Now, the running game has to get ha, the running game has to get going behind the improved front five. Richard Reese and Oklahoma State transfer Dominica Richardson should, uh, should at times be devastating one and uh, one and two punch to take the heat off everyone else and control the clock. Reese led the team with 972 yards and 14 scores. Richardson ran for 1,139 yards and 15 scores. In its three years in Stillwater, and he had become an improved receiver last season, too. Is Blake Shapton Sha uh, really the man at quarterback? Or can Mississippi State transfer Sawyer Robertson step up and rip it up? Chapman was fine last year, but he was 
inconsistent, throwing for close to 2,800 yards with 18 touchdowns and 10 picks. Richardson is a 6'4 pure passer with the ability to spread the ball around, but he's missing the time logged in that Shapin has, unfortunately. The receiving core is good. Five targets caught 26 passes or more, but wide receiver Holmes, he averaged 20 yards per catch and 26 yards. And 31 catch, catch catches. Tight end Ben Sims are gone. Uh, Baldwin led the team with 33 catches, averaging over 17 yards per pop. Pre- uh, Presley and Josh Cameron has good veterans, adding even more Excuse me, explosion. Explosion is deep threat. Catherine or Jackson from Arkansas and North Texas tight end Jake Roberts fill out the uh, receiving core. The defense pay the defense preview. The defense was hardly awful. It didn't generate any sort of pass rush, and could not come up with third down stops. But it was third down overall in the Big 12 and certainly wasn't any short of a disaster. However, being Dave Arita's defensive coordinator is a little like being a plate of nachos for a guy Ferry. So coordinators Ron Roberts is out and Matt Powledge has moved up from assistant to the big gig. First for the uh, for first and f- first and foremost, the first six has to start getting behind the line again. Last year's defense generated ten sacks in the first four games, eleven combined against Texas and Texas Tech. God damn, they got after us. And the three against everyone else. Big Sookie is gone from the middle and off to the uh, Cleveland Browns. But 6'6", 296-pound Gabe Hall is good interior pass rusher. And T.J. Franklin is a big end with an, uh, with upside to do more. And from Louisiana Tech is 6'3", 341-pound Gerald Boykins to be the new... IKA and clock up the um, clog up the middle. The linebacker core ha- uh, might have lost leading uh, tackler Dylan Dow, but Liberty transfer Mike Smith is dis- distant is disdained for all Big Twelve stardom coming off in eighty-five tackles. Uh, the T uh, TFL season. With three forced fumbles. His fantastic third leading tackler, Matt Jones, will make plenty of plays. And the 6'7", 247-pound Randolph should be an interesting uh, hybrid in the outside. Now let's go look at their secondary. The secondary is likely going to be located with all underclassmen who will get time to grow into their uh, respective jobs. But again... More pass rush is a must. All right. Well, that's all the schools I did for this week. We are going to take a little quick break, real quick, a commercial break, and be right to Baca. Well, how's everybody doing today? This is good old friend Uncle Dickie from Borderline Texas Trash, the most popular podcast in the world today. It's climbing up the charts faster than freaking slime on a stein, baby. Well, if you're wondering, what the hell is Borderline Texas Trash about? And who is this some bitch Uncle Boo? Well, Uncle Boo is the most recognizable voice in podcasting today, babies. We're going to get funky like a monkey on some ton of greens. I'm coming in on white lightning, baby, on a silver saddle to bring you the best of Borderline Texas Trash, baby. I'm your host of the show, Uncle Boo. We go over everything. We do a little bit of politics at the end, but not much. I don't step into that bullshit a whole lot. But we have fun. I go over stupid world news of the day, 
talk about uh, stuff from the past, what the cost of living or stuff was like that. And we just talk about all sorts of fucking fun facts, do a little joking around. And my niece joins the show sometimes. We do a little segment called Ash Handy's Garage on Friday nights, baby. That's our live show we do sometimes. And then I got the uncle that I talked to down in uh, Boothville, Louisiana. And he calls sometimes. And we have a little show called Uncle Dickie's Corner. So you guys come check out Texas Borderline, Borderline Texas Trash, baby. I know you will love it. We are on every platform you can think of. Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, iHeart. Uh, I mean, we're on everything. We're even on Podbean, man. We even got our own YouTube channel. We even got an Instagram account, and we got our Facebook account. So go check us out, man, and come listen to the show. You'll get to listen to Ash Handy, Uncle Boo, Uncle Dickie, and all the most recognizable voices in this motherfucking podcast in the world today, babies. Because we will get funky like a monkey, I guarantee it. Let's just say, baby, I've wine and dine with kings and queens, slept in dumpsters, ate pork and beans, baby. But I am your host of the show, Uncle Boo, Borderline Texas Trash. Don't forget about it. If you want to listen to a show to just get your mind off this crazy world and all the COVID and politic bullshit, <coughs> come check my show out. Come check me and my crazy family out. Some of the shit we do, we do live uh, shows from the barbecue. So I'll see you later. Bye. Well, well, guys. Now it's that time of the show where we get into some wrestling. Now, by the time you hear this, I'm going to be a week behind. So I'm going to try to do some crunch time and get two recorded pretty fast for you to be updated. Now, I'm going to start with SmackDown Friday from 6-16 of 2023. All right. We're going to start with SmackDown, like I said. Starting out the show, there was a six-way tag team match. It was a gauntlet. So, the first match, we started out with the uh, Brawling Brutes and the Street Profits. And the uh, Brawling Brutes won that. And then in the second match was the Brawling Brutes and the OC. And the Brawling Brutes won that one. Then the Brawling Brutes uh, had to fight the uh, LWO, Latino World Order. And the Brawling Brutes won that one. Then in the next uh, fourth match, we had Hit Row going up against them. And the Brawling Brutes won that one. And then Pretty Deadly, and then fought in the last match, and Pretty Deadly won. So, that means they're the number one contenders for the tag team match, for the tag team belts. Then we had uh, Selena Vega. She went up against uh, Aya Sky, and Selena Vega won. And then uh, the OC, the OC, um... Versus, can't read my own handwriting here. Okay, the O, the OC versus Scarlet and Christian Cross, and the OC had AJ and Maya Maya M, and Christopher Cross and uh, his lady one. Then we had L.A. Knight going up against San, Santos Escarba, Escarba, and Escarba won that match. Oh. Then we had. Then that was uh that was it for SmackDown. Well, it is a two-hour show, and that Gauntlet match was pretty fucking. Bang on. Then we had, then we go to AEW Rampage. And we had the United Empire goes up against Chosen, the United Empire one. Then we had Taya Valraz, 
Anyways, Talia went up against Trish Adderall. Talia won. Then we had the match with uh, Briscoe, the daddy Briscoe, and the son. And then we had they went up against uh, Jeff Jarrett's group. And the uh, the Briscoes won that one. Jeff Jarrett lost again. <laughs> that was Rampage. That was a Friday, so that's only an hour show. It wasn't that long. Then we had a last weekend. We had or the last weekend was the first AEW Collision show on six seventeen two thousand twenty three. Of course, CM Punk came out to start the show, and it was pretty damn good. He did a pretty good promo. Then we uh, got into our matches. The first match was the TNT Championship match against Warlow and Luchasaurus. And Luchasaurus won. Then we had Buddy Matthews going up against uh, Eduardo. And Eduardo won. Then we had Mario going up against Tony Nisa. And Mario, Mario won. Then we had Sky Blue and Willie Nightingale going up against the Outcast. And Sky Blue and uh, Willow Nightingale won. Then the last match was, because this is an hour show too. This is an hour, I believe, on Friday. No, or on Saturday. The Collision, no, it's two hours. Yeah, I believe it's two. All right, then we had the last match of the night was the CM Punk and FTR against uh, Samoa Joe and the Bullet Club. And CM Punk and FTR won that one. Then we're going to go to Raw from 6-19-2023. First match was Tomasco Champion. Versus Misk and Champio won. Then we had Sonya Deville and Chelsea going up against Caden Carter and Chase. And Caden Carter and Chase won. Then we had Adu Sheed going up against Shelton Benjamin. And Adu Sheed won. Then we had London Cruiser going up against Matt Riddle. And Matt Riddle won that match. Then we had Alpha Alpha Academy going up against the Viking Raiders. Alpha Academy won that one. Then we had a Money in the Bank match. And Rachel uh, Rodriguez uh, faced Trish Stratus. Trish Stratus won. And then we had Shinsei Nakamura went up against Marson Reed. And then we had Kevin and Sammy. We had, yeah, Kevin, Sammy, and Cody. Going up against Judgment Day. And Kevin, Sammy, and Cody won. And that's uh, Monday Night Raw. And here we go for WWE NXT Gold Rush. This was on 620 of 2023. We had the NXT North American Championship match against Wesley and Tyler Bate. And Wesley, Wesley won. Then we had the NXT Tag Team Champion uh, number one contender match. And Edwarso and Blade won that one. Then we had Donna Brooks going up against Kovia Jade. Kovia Jade won. Then we had Usala Lloyd and Valentin something. Sorry if I'm fucking these names up some. Going up against uh, Lash Legend and Jackson. And uh, Jackson and the, the team of Legend and Jackson won that one. Then we had a uh, at NXT, the main event was for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship. And that was against Seth Rollins and Braun Breaker. And Braun Breaker lost. I figured he might win because he's a pretty good dude. I'm can't believe they don't have on the, him on the main roster yet. So, with that being said, let's wrap up there, guys. Sorry if my uh, reading's a little shitty. I got dyslexia and I try to fight it real bad sometimes. But 
want to thank you guys for listening. Like I said, sorry for the inconvenience. I'll get the other show put up this week, along with this one to be caught up. So until then, guys, football season's around the corner. Summer Slam's coming around the corner. Wrestling's good. Football's good. It's all good, guys. But this is Stephen Booth with with When Worlds Collide. A little football and wrestling, baby. We'll see you later. Check you at the next episode, guys. Be good, be real, and be nice to each other, man. Bye.